Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, lads. I think it's about time. I told you my full story. A lot of you have been following me for a while now. Some of you are very, very new to the channel. But I've never sat down and made a video on who I am as a person, my, my full story, my upbringing, how I ended up getting to where I am today, the things I've been through, the lessons I've learned. To begin, I was born in England. I was born in a place called Coventry. My mum and dad were fairly young, uh, still at university when they had me. My dad started working shortly after. And I lived in Coventry for a bit, then we moved to a place called Peterborough. And I grew up, I went to school there, till I was nine years old. And when I was nine years old, I moved to Boston, USA, because of my dad's job. He had an opportunity to go and work there. So me, my mum, I got two younger brothers. And uh, we all moved to Boston, the United States, which was pretty, was, that was a pretty interesting and probably quite pivotal moment in becoming who I am now. So I left all my friends, all my childhood friends and the people I played football with and we moved to the United States, to Boston, America, which was a crazy experience, to be honest with you. We, we actually upgraded massively. So we went from sort of middle class UK to an upper middle class United States. My dad was getting paid more money. We had a huge house, but I went to a new school uh, with a load of American kids. And that was awesome because I have an English accent, and if you know anything about Americans, they love an English accent. So when I got to school there, I just got a lot of love. I got a lot of love, a lot of... I didn't have really any issues at school in America. Everybody loved me for being English. And that was just sort of my first taste of like, oh, this is what life could be like. I feel kind of special here. And that sort of led on to me getting into acting. I started doing acting, like performances and shows and singing in the USA because they just, they loved me. Even if I wasn't good, they still just loved me. So I was kind of filled with this confidence and I started acting and I got some small jobs doing like small commercials as the English kid, little bit parts in various different commercials. And that was my first experience making any money other than working like for my dad or something, cleaning up leaves or getting like pocket money here and there. I first started doing commercials and I get paid like a thousand dollars for a shoot. And I remember going there feeling super fucking special in the camper van at the back, getting my makeup done and shit. 
and getting a thousand dollars afterwards, which to me was like so much money. And my parents were kind of proud of me at the time as well, because I was a kid, I was making money. And that was where the first inkling of success was kind of born in me. I was like, I love, I kind of love money. I love money and I want it. And I want to feel this feeling. I want to feel this success, which led on, which led me to where I am today. And I'll, I'll tell you more in the story. But I started acting and we stayed in the USA until I was 12 years old. And now I can't quite remember the reason, something to do with my dad's job, but we had to move back from the United States when I was 12 years old. So I'd had this great three-year period. I'm starting to get settled into the USA. And then we have to move back to the UK, which I, I, was, I was fine about. I could stay in the USA or go back to the UK. I was a kid and I would be happy going either place. So we went back to the, to the UK for my dad's job. And I was excited to see my old friends. I still have buddies there that I wanted to see. And we moved back to the same, the same place, the different house, but in the same, same little town uh, in Peterborough. And I got back and I had to start high school, basically, UK high school, which was an interesting time for me because I'd basically come from America where they'd filled me with this confidence of being the only English kid. And I was, I'd developed an ego at a young age for I'm making money, I'm an actor, I'm this young, this young guy and I'm going to be successful. And this is just at 12 years old. And I get back and because I'm so full of, kind of full of myself, when I get to school, I start obviously a new secondary school. If anyone's gone to high school in the UK, you know that it's not a friendly environment. It's a cutthroat, ruthless environment. And I just come through with bags of confidence, which people in the UK hate, which I think is kind of an issue with the UK. Like Everyone just loves putting each other down. And I was not used to it. I wasn't used to banter. I wasn't used to anything other than sincerity and me being awesome. So I got to school and for year seven, I, every time a new year starts in high school, they have to like have, an, we call it an assembly. It's where everybody goes into the hall and they get welcomed in. And I decided, I spoke to the music teacher at this school and I said, I want to do a performance. I'd like to sing a song for the entire year. I'd like to get on the stage and dance and perform and sing a Bruno Mars song, I believe it was. What song was it? There's a video of this somewhere. It was either Catch a Grenade for You or it was, it was a Bruno Mars song anyway. So I get up on stage in front of the whole year. Oh, yeah, by the way, everyone, this new kid, Jack Hopkins, just come from America and he'd like to sing a song for you all. So I go up there, rip Bruno Mars, I put some hat on and I'm just dancing and singing and that just went terribly. Like, I don't know how well the song went. I'd have to watch it back. But people fucking hated me for doing that. Even my own friends were like, oh my God, he started off and given himself a very difficult school career. So that's how I began high school. And I was very quickly brought down to the level of like, you don't do that. You don't be confident like that. But I always kind of kept it from that time in the USA. And I was always trying to find it back. But that happened to me and it was a, sort of my first rejection and I had quite a few issues at school, nothing that was big, but people just not liking me because they thought I was too confident. And I got that first feeling of like just being unliked by people that didn't know me, which is very interesting. And after I did that, I decided I spoke to my mum and dad and I was still doing shows. So I was still performing, I was dancing, singing. I was signed up to like a theatre academy in, in Peterborough. 
and I decided to get an agent in London to do commercials and, and TV work and that sort of stuff. So I was going to school, but at the same time in the in the afternoons or in the evenings, sometimes I would travel to London. I would get the bus from my house to the train station. I'd travel an hour into London, uh, walk through London and find a casting, go to a casting, and then I'd come back. Um, so I was doing some some interesting stuff from a fairly young age. And I thought, I'll get back into the acting. I'll make a load of money. Nobody can tell me shit. I'll be a child star. And then I don't even have to go to school. That was my plan at a young age. So I started going and I just <laughs> go for auditions. Be so fucking tired from my day at school. I go for these auditions. I was a bit arrogant. I never really learned my lines properly. And they would just be like, no, you're definitely not the right person for this role. And I went to hundreds of castings and I didn't get any of them. I was just rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. The whole time, I'm, every time I go to an audition, I'm like, this is going to be the one. I'm going to be a fucking star after this. I don't have to take shit from anybody. And things just didn't work out that way. So I continued through school. I kept going to auditions, kept getting rejected. And I started to pick up the gym around 14 years old. I had a very good friend of mine. He's called Jack Hogg. In school, if you have the same last name, you can sit next to each other. So he's called Jack Hogg. I'm Jack Hopkins. So we were next to each other in the in the register and we started making a friendship and any of you that know Jack is an absolute beast and we started training together at the school gym about 14 years old which is where I really fell in love with having a good body having a good physique and in our free periods or free time me Jack Max a few of our other friends we would just sit down and we would just watch like fitness vlogs and we watch a lot of like Jake Paul Logan Paul at the time the daily vlogs Casey Neistat and we were obsessed with YouTube we absolutely loved YouTube. I never thought for a second that I would be on YouTube myself. It just wasn't something I ever thought of. And we would watch all these fitness influencers. So we started to get really into our fitness and we got in great shape for young guys. We were in really good shape. And after school, I think my mum and dad got me a membership at a gym nearby. And we would just hang out at school. We'd gym at school. And then we'd go and hang out in the gym um, after school and go for some food. And that was all I did basically growing up. And I played football every week. Uh, played for my football team. My dad was a manager and I was the captain of the team. Hopefully not just because my dad was a, was the manager. I don't think so. But because I like to lead, lead the boys. and I've always worked hard when it comes to fitness and, and heart. I've always had heart. So we did that. Started growing up. And I wasn't getting any money. I wasn't getting any acting jobs. So actually when I first got back at 12 years old, I started doing a paper round. Which is where you, throw the, you do the newspapers. In England, we have to take them and put them through the door. You can't just throw them on the on the doorstep like in America. That would be cool. But we had to take them through the door. And I'd get this huge bag. I'd wake up at 6 a.m. every morning before school. Six days a week. Only Sundays off. I'm 12 years old. And I'd go out every morning. I'd deliver newspapers. And I'd get £20. It was quite a lot of money to me at the time. £20. About $25 or $30 per week. And that was my money. And sometimes I'd get the bus with it. And go into town and get some sweets. And, and some t-shirts or some shit like that. And that's what I did. And then when I got to 16 years old, that wasn't cutting it anymore. You can't just have $25 a week. That's not going to get you anywhere at 16. And at this time, I wanted to start dating girls. I had a girl that I liked at school. So I got a job at Next, which is a clothing company. And I worked in the women's department selling perfume, bras, uh, dresses, all that sort of stuff. And this job... I'd get five, about $5, $6 an hour, and I'd go there. I'd finish school at 3. I'd go there for 4, and I'd often work 4 till 10 p.m. 
3 p.m. I finished school. 4 p.m. I'd be at work in, in Peterborough, a place called Brotherhoods. It's like a little retail park. Get off the bus, walk over there. Oh, this is shit. And then I'd go and I'd work in the women's department. I'd get about 30, 30 dollars, 30 pounds per shift. So I started making 100 or 200 pounds a week with how much I was working. And this place was a, I just absolutely hated it. I had female bosses, absolute just dominatrix, just wanted to be the big boss and just loved telling me off because I was one of the only guys that worked there. So I really got the feeling of like, life can be pretty shit. Like If you end up working in one of these places, your life will be pretty shit. That started to scare me a bit because I wasn't getting acting jobs. And I was like, I got to find a way to make money because I can't do this. I absolutely hate doing this, working in the shop. So I got to 18 years old, had a little bit of money saved. I'd had a girlfriend for a while. And the job I had, I just absolutely hated after these two years. I had a time where I had to go to my uncle's wedding. And the, the woman I worked for wouldn't let me go, wouldn't let me have a day off to go to my uncle's wedding. So I said, well, I'm going, I'm going to the wedding. And I had to come back in afterwards, um, after the wedding, when I got back to work, and I had to sit down and have a disciplinary, like a, a telling off, basically, from some bitch. And I was like, I'm done with this job. I don't want to do this anymore. And I decided to spend all of my money. I was 18 years old. I just turned 18. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to spend all my money on vacations. We're going to go on a lad's holiday. And I'm going to go on three. So I booked three vacations with all my money. And then I had no money left. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I needed to find a way to make 100 or 200 pounds every single day. So like 150 to 250 dollars every single day. And that's exactly what I typed in. I, I went to a, a job site called Indeed in the UK. And I typed in jobs where you can make 100 to 200 pounds per day. And there was a job that came up that said 100 to 300 pounds per day. Punting. Punting. P-U-N-T-I-N-G. Punting in Cambridge about 45 minute drive away from my house, giving tours on a boat, taking a boat up and down the river. So I quit my job and I decided, all right, mum, I'll see you, see you in a bit. I'm going to Cambridge. I'm going to try out for this punting job. So I went there. I met these guys. They're called Matt and Mitch. They had a little punting company. And I said, oh, I'm here for the, for the job, um, for going up and down the river. So they went, yep, yeah, no problem. You're hired. Go and get on this boat. So I got on this boat with a guy called Tom. And Tom took me up and down the river on this boat. And he gave me the tour. He told me, that this is this building. This is that building. Here's a sheet. You need to learn what to say. It's the Cambridge University tour that you do up and down the river. It's about a mile. And you push people with a stick. Look up punting if you don't know what it is. So I did that. And then I got on, got on the boat. And, and by the end of the day, I was, I was given my first tour. So I did my first tour. And I, start, I went back every single day that summer after I turned 18. And I started making money. I started making £100 a day on the boats. Now, after a while, I started to get tired. I was like, this is actually pretty hard work, taking all these people up and down. And I'd heard, I'd heard some, some, some word around that there was guys making £200 to £300 a day just selling the tickets because they got 35% commission for selling tickets. And I'd never heard of sales before. I'd never heard of, of, of like really what sales was. Or I'd heard and I'd not really been interested. I was like, well, so if I sell a boat for £100, it's normally more than £100, it could be like two to £300 a boat. But if I sell a boat for £100, I get £35. And I could sell quite a few boats a day. So I was like, I'll, I'll do that instead. So I spoke to my boss and he took me off the boat and instead I went and sold in the street. 
and that was my first taste at sales. I went around the streets speaking to people with a punting board, little board. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Would you like to go on the famous river of Cambridge? And I'd just run around Cambridge all day long talking to people, making money. And that was the first time I'd ever had any real money. I managed to make enough money for me to go on these vacations that summer. And I did it all myself. I just went out into the streets every day and I sold. And I realized I was in control of making my own money. And I'd make between 100 and 300 pounds a day, depending on the day, how good it was. I think my record day was like 375 pounds, which to me, that's nearly $500. Me at 18, in one day, that was just, that blew my mind. So that opened really an, an idea for me about sales. And I'd watched Wolf of Wall Street when I was younger, and I was like, all right, sales is probably it for me. I should do sales, because I'm going to make a fucking fortune. Anyway, rounding up that summer, I decided to go to a festival with my friend Jack. And actually on those boats, I'd been around some interesting characters. I'd started meddling with drugs. And anyway, I went with my best friend Jack, who I trained with my, my whole life, basically, in the gym. We were in great shape at 18. And we said, all right, let's go to this festival. It's called Boardmasters in Cornwall, where you could surf. And then in the evenings, you'd go to this festival. So we did that. We drove all the way down there. And I'd never taken any pills before. I'd never taken an ecstasy or anything like that. And I decided on this on this vacation, on this festival, to take my first pill, take my first ecstasy pill. So I took it with my buddy, walking along. Oh shit, Jack, I'm feeling a bit, I'm feeling a bit fucking weird right now. And then I felt like there was warm water just coming up out of the grass over my face and just a euphoric high like I'd never felt before in my life. And I was just on a crazy one for like eight hours, going around, telling everyone I loved them, trying to kiss people, just on a crazy fucking vibe. And that was my first sort of experience with a drug that was like, whoa, I can get super happy by taking this. And I just took it. And then we took it over and over again on that on that vacation. And we had a decent time, but taking drugs is fruitless, as I'll tell you now. So anyway, I get back, and I'm pretty sure in my mind, for, that, for the end of, I've finished school, I'm like, I just want to go into sales and just start making some money. But when I get back, I didn't realize that pills had a come down. No, no one had ever told me or I'd not listened. And I didn't realize that drugs have an up and then obviously a very severe down. So I, I didn't know that. And I got back and I was like, I literally feel like I'm going to die. I don't know what to do with my life. When I see a cute video of, of dogs, I start crying. And it was I was just doing it on my own. I was like, fuck, my, my whole life's ruined. I'm going to be like this forever. And my mum was like, you were, you were right before you went. What, what's happened to you? Uh, you? You knew what you wanted to do. I, like, I don't know what I want to do, mum, with my life. I, I just don't have any clue. So we decided. Because obviously my mum didn't know. She said, well, you should go to university. I've never wanted to go to university in my life. She was like, you should go. You've got a place at this at this place in Bournemouth. You should go to university if you're feeling like this. You, you need to get out of the house and do something. And so well, after those couple of weeks, in that time of the come down, I'd signed up for university and I'd applied and I got accepted. And I was <laughs> now I needed to go to university. So I kind of got over my come down. I was like, oh, I feel all right now. But fuck, I've got to go to university. So I went to university in Bournemouth, England, at 18 years old, and I got there, and it was quite possibly the worst place I could have ever gone in my entire life. Not because Bournemouth's bad, but because university is full of drugs, and I'd just gotten into drugs. So I was like, well, let's just, let's just ride this train. Let's just see how this goes. So I went to one university lesson, 
got there, sat down. I've been with a girl the night before. I'd hooked up with this chick. We we're in the same class, uh, club the night before. So we we're in there, we're holding hands, newly, uh, newly in love with each other after one night. Which is just what I was like when I was younger. So I'm in there holding hands with her, and I'm like, "This is this is shit. Let's get out of here." So I skip that class. And all I do at university is there was a poker night once every week where I'd go to. I'd go and play poker and be an absolute maniac because I was doing cocaine. And then I would just go and work and I got a sales job in Bournemouth and I'd live in my student accommodation and be an absolute maniac and I would just tear through the place because I was I was basically in, insane at the time. And I would just party non-stop and I'd wake up at seven in the morning and I'd go and sell windows. I'd sell windows on the phone for a company in the UK, a dodgy company, uh, which was just the only sales job. I was walking down the street actually and a guy was saying, well, we've got sales jobs here. And I was like, oh great, this is going to be like the, the punting. It's going to be like the river in Cambridge. It wasn't. It wasn't like that. It was a very dingy back office of some window company. I had to call old people all day and try and get them to change their windows. But anyway, I started doing that. And the problem was my boss loved his coke. Absolutely loved his coke. This guy was a complete lunatic. And I'm working in there. I've got a couple of my friends working in there with me as well. I'm sorry about that. You know who you are, Dan, George. <laughs> I'm sorry for dragging you into that place. And we we went in there, we worked there for a bit to get money because I wasn't going to university. I was just living off the, the money I made and I got some money from a student loan as well. But this guy would give us coke. If we did a sale, it, our boss would give us coke. So we were just kind of hooked on this cycle of basically being addicted to gear, which is, is terrible. It's really not a good thing to do. So that that's what sort of got me into the drug scene. And by this time, my physique had started to go. I didn't go gym anymore. And I was really just a bit of a, a partier and I was working, but I was still with the university crowd. So I felt at least like I was going somewhere because I had so many people my age around me and I had a little bit of money. So I did that for a while and I got fed up again. And I was like, this isn't enough money for me. I need more money. So I quit that job. I had a couple other jobs in between. But eventually I had a friend. We lived in the same building at university and we decided it'd be a good idea to start cleaning company because everywhere is always so fucked at university every everywhere is just dirty and horrible and we're like if we can make a cleaning company no one wants to clean up themselves and we can get some cleaners to do it we'll make a fortune we'll be rich so we decided to make this cleaning company and it actually went really well we didn't do the original idea of cleaning students houses because if you try and get a student to pay for something they just they never have, students have money for drugs, food and alcohol, and that's it. If you want any them to pay for anything else, they never have any money. So that didn't really work. We went and did a load of flyer drops, leaflet drops, and we didn't get any customers like that. But then we went to the estate agent. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because we knew at the end of the year, every house has to be cleaned. Every, every student has to have their house cleaned. Otherwise, they don't get their deposit back. And they use the deposit money, part of it, not all of it, but part of it, because they have quite big deposits, like $3,000 between everyone for a house of five. They used the money from that part, a bit of it, to pay for the cleaning. So we already had the money tied in with the estate agents. So we just went round and blagged it and said, look, we've got this cleaning company. We're called UniClean, and we think it'd be really great, obviously, as your student accommodation, to let us clean these apartments. And they said yes. And we picked up all the contracts for cleaning these houses. And they'd pay us like 300, 400 pounds a house. And we'd only have to pay cleaners about 100 pounds per house to get them in there and clean it. We didn't have to do any cleaning. So we went round all summer, opening doors, getting keys, checking places were clean, and we started this cleaning company just towards the end of my first year at uni. And we made about £20,000, so about $27,000 profit in a month between the two of us. And we were like, we're fucking rich! We never have to do anything again. We can just do this forever. So we got all our money, I started spending it, as I do. I went out, I got myself, spent like five grand on new clothes, got all the cool shit, looked like a G, going out to parties. I'm a business fan, I'm an entrepreneur. And then we went back to the to the, to the the estate agents to do the next month to get our business and, and make some more money and keep this company going. And they were like, well, yeah, this is an end of tenancy clean. So it happens once every year. And we were like, well, what about... Sort of any cleaning you've got that needs to be done in the meantime. They said, oh, no, we don't, we don't have any of that. So then we suddenly realized that our company that we made worked for one month of the year. So now I had my money, my little bit of money left, no job, no business. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. So I moved in with some guys, still stayed in Bournemouth where the uni house was, still stayed with the uni crowd. And I got into a student house, which ended up being a bit of a, one would, could call it like a crack den. I was hanging out with some fairly shady characters at the time, and I had a lump of cash, and I decided that, you know what, I can't do the cleaning anymore, but I'll start dealing instead. I'm at all the parties anyway, I know a load of students, I'll start dealing, I'll buy a bit, and I'll sell it off and I'll pay for my own habit. What the fuck was I thinking at the time? I mean... It's fucking crazy. But that's what I did. And I started dealing and, and just doing more and more drugs, more and more party, and being more and more involved in that. And just I had really had no vision for my life at this point. I'd gone from being this young, healthy, athletic kid who wanted to be an actor, who wanted to be a salesman, to now really work in the, in the dingiest business, just being really kind of a leech off the students and, and dealing. So I did that, and it really, uh, in, inside, I had a good upbringing. I had a good life, and it started to eat me away. And I couldn't deal with the feelings of, of me not being on the right path. So I started to do more and more of my own drugs. More and more of my own, my own drugs and, and partying. And I just took myself down a, an absolute rabbit hole with it for about a year. I was drinking every day. I was doing a lot of drugs. And it got to a point one day where I looked at myself in the mirror on a just an especially bad come down. And I looked at the broken version of me, this scrawny little crackhead. And what, where I was living and the shit old place I was at. And I just thought, this stops right now. 
I had I was so anxious I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't even sell. I couldn't deal anymore because I couldn't get in the car to drive. I was too fucked up. I was running out of money. So I just decided to, to quit it all. I quit it all. I went cold turkey, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, selling the lot. But I basically decided to turn my life around. And I had a girlfriend at the time and <clears throat> she was doing the same as me. She's a bit of a party animal. And, and luckily she decided to support me as well. And she decided to, to get clean and not do this stuff anymore. And we both went sober together. And I decided to get back into sales and do a sales job. And I was about 21. Yeah, I was about 21 at this point. So I was 21 and I started working in sales again. I got myself clean and I signed up for an MMA fight to, to do a, an amateur MMA fight to get myself in the, in the gym again. And I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with it. I'd work all day on the phones. I was selling business telecom systems. I'd work all day cold calling people. I'd make a bit of money and then I'd go home. I'd get changed. I'd go to training. My girlfriend at the time would make me dinner. And then we'd go to sleep and she got a job as well. She would work. And that was all we did. That was all we did for about about a year. We did that and I was, I was clear-headed again. I started to think like, oh, maybe my life could go somewhere. I won my MMA fight. There's a video of that on my, on my YouTube. And that was a huge confidence boost for me. And I started getting around some guys that were working in sales and a bit of a better influence. And I started to change my life and I started to feel pretty good. Me and my girlfriend saved up and we got an apartment together. We didn't buy it. We just moved out of this house and started renting together. We got a nice apartment. And we, we lived there and we were quite we were quite happy and content for, for a short amount of time. And I was enjoying being clear-headed and not having anxiety and not fucking around with any drugs and alcohol anymore, which was really good for me. And that came to a point where I switched jobs. I became a manager in a telecom system and a, a telecom communications company, managing a sales team. And I was earning about $50,000 a year which for my age, considering I had no qualifications and was a bit of a fuck up, that was pretty good for me at the time. If you're in the UK, that's a decent salary for a 21 year old. And that's how much money I was making. So I was starting to put some money away. I wasn't spending it all anymore. I started to save. And I was thinking, oh, things are going to go pretty well. I could probably make up to six figures at this job if the company grows. It was a pretty new company. And then COVID hit. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. COVID hit and I had to go I had to go and stay with my girlfriend at the time in, in the house together. We had to live together, which just, if you live with someone every day, you can't go to the gym, you can't get out of the house, it will just completely destroy your relationship very quickly, which it gradually did to us. We didn't have any big fights or anything, but we did start to drink a little bit again and we just got kind of fed up with each other over this period. And life got sped up, that relationship got sped up and I started to feel pretty unhappy with where I was at. But at this time, I got furloughed from work. In the UK, you could go home, not work. They, your company would send you home and you got 75% of the money that you were being paid before, but you didn't have to work. So I got a second job with this guy called Tony. God bless you, Tony. Tony Adener. I'd met him. He was a client of ours that I'd spoken to on the phone and he'd started a company selling alarm systems. And I liked Tony. I really liked the guy and he was awesome. We hung out a fair bit, but I started working for Tony and he'd send me leads to call to sell alarm systems, home security alarms. And I started doing that. So I was actually making the most money I'd ever made in the middle of COVID with nothing to spend it on. So I started to save my money. I really started to save. I didn't save it all. Still had things I had to pay for. At this time in my life, I wouldn't spend more than £20 a month. No, £20 a week on food. Me and my girlfriend would go 50-50. Sorry about that to my ex. I was, a, I was just a fucking kid back then. 
I didn't realise the man had to pay for everything. Oh, sorry about that. But we'd go 50-50 and I'd spend £20. She would spend £20. We'd spend £40 a week on food. That was it. And we'd pay our rent and all the rest. But I got this job with Tony and he was a great guy. And he kind of showed me, he believed in me again. He was this guy that believed in me again. And he was so nice to me. He was so, he just thought I was awesome. I was a top, I was a top seller there. I was a top seller. I did make decent money for him and myself. And he just believed in me again. And he was such a positive guy that he just, he really saw something in me and it made me believe in myself again. And I, when I was sitting in my room during COVID times, I started to make a dream board. I started to read self-development again. And I started to make a dream board about where I wanted my life to go. And I got these ideas from uh, the movie The Beach that I might want to go to Thailand. And I started cutting out pictures of villas, Ferraris and, and uh, Kawasaki Ninja sport bike. I always wanted to learn how to ride a motorbike. And Muay Thai camps. And I started writing how much money I wanted to make. And I knew I wanted to make money online. And it got to a point where I'd had all these dreams. And I thought, you know what, Jack, if you want to really achieve this stuff, you're going to have to get out of Bournemouth. You're going to have to leave your girlfriend. You're going to have to to cut this off and well I broke up with my girlfriend at the time and I moved back home with my parents and I had money saved I had probably in total about 15,000 pounds saved and I moved back in and I got a course I bought a course from my friend Colin on personal branding and I started posting on Instagram stories every day and I was like I'm going to do so some social media I'm going to do online fitness coaching I'd gotten back into the gym I was looking great so I started doing some online fitness coaching and I booked to move to Thailand. And I lived at home for about three months and I started my online fitness and I got on Instagram stories every day. I started posting Instagram stories every day about 700 days ago from this point now and I've never stopped. And that was the first thing that got me into branding and I started thinking in my head, you know what, I'll do YouTube as well. When I get to Thailand, I'll start making YouTube. I'll start talking about my life and I'll do some of that. And I got a few fitness clients I was making maybe $1,000 a month off online coaching clients. One thing to mention is if you ever start personal branding, do it from your current account that you've got now with all the friends and family. Don't worry about being shy. That's something I was worried about at the time. But I wasn't, I, I just did it anyway. And my first 10 clients, all people that I knew, they were friends and family members that supported me. And thank you very much to, to you if you were one of those people. My good friend Dan, who I said I got into that job with in Zenith with, I got him into that sales job. Guy, he was a godsend for me. He was one of those friends that just, it didn't matter how much of a degenerate I became, he always had my back and he always looked out for me and he just, he never had a bad thing to say about me, Dan. So Dan Walsh, you're an absolute legend. He was one of my first fitness clients. He, when, when I signed up, he paid me every month to see me do this new thing. And that was fucking, that was really big for me, man. So thank you so much. And you know, I've got you. I've got you now. Anytime you want to come here, anything you want to do, i got you. But we did that and I moved to Thailand, which was nuts. Still COVID time, so you had to jump through some hoops to get here. And I ended up in Bangkok and I spent one night in Bangkok. And then I moved to Koh Samui. Didn't know a soul, didn't know a person, never been here before in my life. And I decided to just figure it out. And those, this time in Thailand completely changed my life forever. Because I had to figure things out for myself. And I had to figure money out for myself, big time, with no support, no people, no nothing. So I arrived here in a foreign country and I moved to the island of Koh Samui and I started making my content. I started getting in really good shape, started getting a tan, meeting a few people. And I got pretty dialed in. But at the same time, I got into the women and the partying again. 
because it was awesome. I was like, I've only partied in the UK, which is shit, by the way. And then you come here and you party with Thai girls and have a good time here. And that just blew my mind. So I spent all my money. I spent my 15000 I think I spent about three months. And I was like, shit, I've run out of money. I had an Amex card. So I bought my own course with an Amex, my high ticket. And I got five grand out of that. And that was the last of my money. And I was like, I started sweating because I was thinking, shit, I've got to fucking go home. I'm not going back to that life. This is, this is really bad. So I'd spent all my money, been a bit of an idiot. And that was the wake up call for me with the sort of world caving in, no support there. I could always ask my mum and dad. I did actually ask my dad for some money and he sent me a thousand pounds per month. God bless him to keep me out here. Thank you, dad. That was awesome. So he sent me a thousand pounds a month. He wouldn't send me money all in one go. I wanted five grand. He wouldn't send me it all in one go because he knew I'd spend it. He sent me a thousand pounds a month and that kind of kept me going. I had the money on my credit card. And I sat around and I was angry and I wasn't appreciating what I had in the world, the support and where, how far I'd come and who I was. And one day that just changed for me. And I, it was the day I took out that money from my credit card and I realized I really had to make things work. And I sat around and I thought, I looked at, I had a place to stay, I had a girl. I had some friends here, I was living in the sun, I was training every day. I thought, Jack, you, you've got it all, mate. Everything you ever wanted, you've got it all right now. And I decided to be a happy person. I decided to be happy. I decided to kick the, kick the alcohol and party on the head again. I went totally sober. And I decided to get to work, start training harder, pumping out more stuff for my fitness content, gaining clients. And it got to a point where I was in the gym, I was dialed in, I was making my programs, I was giving coaching, I was the most dialed in I'd ever been. I was super disciplined and I was in incredible shape. And I met a guy called Hamza in the gym in Thailand. And we just chatted to each other. I had no idea who he was. And we had a little chat together. And I was like, I, I, my friend Bill had actually said to me, oh, that, that guy's Hamza. That's, um, he's a YouTuber. So we ended up talking. I was like, you're Hamza, aren't you? And he was like, yeah, you do YouTube. And we just started chatting and became friends. And then we didn't really talk at all. We'd swapped Instas, but we didn't chat. And then we met again at a Muay Thai camp, like a Muay Thai class, and we sparred together. And Hamza put me on his Instagram, put sparring the CEO of testosterone. And that's, that's where my name came from, because at the time I was so big into my testosterone optimization. I'd managed to triple my testosterone levels from when I was in a nine to five using natural supplements, sunlight, various different things. And that was part of my program at the time that I was doing my online fitness stuff for. So he called me the CEO of testosterone. He put that video out. And I got a few, I think I got like 2,000 followers from him putting that video out of people that just liked the stuff they got put onto me. They liked the stuff that I was putting out. And me and Hamza hung out for about a month. And in that month, he said, Jack, you've got to get on YouTube. Thank you, Hamza, for saying that. That was fucking one of the best things you could have ever said to me. And he said, get on YouTube, do a video every day, don't fucking stop. So I got on YouTube and I did a few videos. You can check them out at the start of this channel of not really knowing what I was going to do. And then I decided to do some cold approach. I could just got my camera out when I was with Hamza and we did some cold approach together. And those videos went, went quite big and I started to get a following. And I'd met this guy, Bill, and we were both still very short on cash, me and Bill. He, was a, he had his marketing company doing online marketing courses. And I had um, my fitness coaching, but it wasn't making enough money. And we suddenly had 250,000 views on a cold approach video. And we sat down together, me and Bill, we were like, well, Jack, what do you know about? Because we both need money. I still had to pay off this debt. I had to pay my, my dad back. And I had to pay off this 
£1,000 credit card. So we were still in pretty dire circumstances. We had really zero cash, like zero money to spend. And so we sat down together and we thought, well, let's do about the testosterone. Let's build a little community about boosting your testosterone and give them your training programs, how you got into shape and teach them the supplements that you take and that sort of stuff. And me and Bill came up with the idea and we launched it. That was my first ever course. We launched it on my channel and we made £5,000, the amount I needed to pay off my credit card. We made that in our first 24 hours. And it was like a light bulb moment of like, if we keep doing this stuff, staying disciplined, making videos every day, and, and we, we ride this bill, we can, make a, we, we can make a lot of money doing this. And we can help people at the same time. It's something that we actually enjoy. So I'd made videos every day for about six months. And I got myself up to about 10, 15,000 um, pounds a month income through that one course in the community. It was called Gorilla Tribe at the time. Now the course is $99. So it, it attracted some interesting characters and eventually the chats got overrun by people and there was just a load of horrible shit going on in the chats and we had to stop selling it. We had to stop selling the courses and we had to close the chat for no new members and we finished that. But that took me out of poverty basically and that from zero to 10k, paying my dad back, finally having some money and putting it into YouTube, that's where my life really started to begin and me and Bill kept working together. And then we thought, well, we've got to, we kind of got to make more money than this. We've got to make more than ten to 15000 And at the time, I'd, I'd come on from the testosterone stuff. I was like, this, my life isn't just about testosterone. That's an important part for a man, but it's a very small part compared to all the lessons I've learned. So I was like, why don't we make a more expensive community where we can meet other guys like us, where we can teach them what we know, they can teach us what they know, we can make money together. And we can travel the world. Like, wouldn't that be awesome to have a group like that? And that was where the, the idea for the new elite was born. And we also had the same idea to do, well, for guys that are not ready for the new elite, that aren't ready to be in a network with us or travel, well, how did you first make money, Jack? Oh, I made it in sales. Let's teach guys how you did that in sales. And we'll get someone that's already done seven figures in sales to be the coach inside. And that's how we created our two products. It was absolutely insane. It was just one of the most beautiful periods of my life. I really hope to... I'll probably tell that the Thailand story all in one because I'm missing so much out. But we started to do that. I got a villa and I'd written down that dream life. You remember when I'd, when I'd been working the nine to five in Bournemouth, I'd written down that dream life and suddenly I'd lived it. I suddenly had it. I made more money than I'd even written on that list. I had the Kawasaki Ninja. I didn't have the Lambos or anything, but that's fine. You can't really get them in Thailand. And I had the four bed dinner and I had the girl and I had everything. And I, I, I achieved the dream life. And that was an amazing moment for me. And we ran with the courses and I got a message from Imam Gadsen. And I was a big fan. I've always been a big fan of Imam. I absolutely admire what he does. And he's younger than me. So that was crazy. He messaged me having seen my MMA fight when I posted it. And we started chatting to each other. And I asked him for some advice, some mentorship on how I could get my business even bigger. And he gave me some so sent me a voice note, a few voice notes about this stuff, about how I should grow my channel, how I should grow my business. And that that was last year, the start of last year. And we took our business from that £20,000 a month up to $110,000 was our biggest month last year. And that was just absolutely insane. I ended up meeting with Iman, going to Dubai for the first time, getting around new people, doing some amazing podcasts around the world making so many new friends through the new elite. We've now got a huge network, over 260 members worldwide. Some of them have become my greatest friends, six, seven-figure entrepreneurs. We started all hanging out together. 
And that brought us, one of Imam's advice was you need to get out of the island life. So I left the island of Koh Samui and I came to Bangkok instead. And I also went to Dubai uh, for three months last year to get my taxes set up, to set up all my accounts, my taxes, to make this a real business. So we did all of that last year. I had some amazing podcasts. I met amazing people. I met Justin Waller, Mark Tilbury, uh, met uh, Mike Thurston, James Blackwell, Max Wyatt. I met so many people that I'd always wanted to meet, which is really nuts. And we did all these podcasts and stuff, and we started to grow the brand and the channel, which brings us to where we are now. Still increasing the business, investing in new mentorships, building the new elite day by day, becoming a better man, more and more disciplined, more and more driven every single day. And we plan to move to Dubai um, very, very shortly to get around the, the guys with the big money and, and really take this to the next level and build a, a worldwide, world-class product and a world-class channel about becoming the best man you could possibly be, no matter what your circumstances are. That's my, I feel my life's purpose is to show you what is achievable from someone that really had zero uh, to show you how far I can get uh, as a man and inspire and help you guys to do the same thing. So guys, I hope you enjoyed it. That is my full story, never told before. Um, that is who I am. There's some, obviously a few stories that are left out that you might hear on other videos, but that's basically my story. And I hope you enjoyed it. I wish every single one of you the best. And I just want you to know that no matter where you come from in your life and how bad things seem, you can turn it around. And it can turn around very quickly if you keep a positive mindset and you believe it's possible. And the path only illuminates as you walk it. You have to do the things, the actions in the dark at first. You have to not know where you're going to get to. And then after a while, you start to see the path and it gets illuminated. And that's what's happened to me. So... I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you very much for watching. And I'll see you on the next one. Life as a man is harder alone. In the world of men who dare to dream, the path to success can be a lonely road. You're pushing boundaries, but deep down, you know what's missing. The New Elite is an entrepreneur's network, mainly focused on my philosophies around being an elite male. When someone comes in from even a 9 to 5, they're making 10 grand a month, and they see there's a guy who's totally free making 200 grand a month. The things that he can tell you will change their life. Everything you need is coming to you. The lessons that you need to learn, the money that you want to earn, it's all coming to you in good time. But anything that comes to you before your time will be squandered. The most important thing you can learn is the wisdom. You have to learn the lessons. You have to live the life. The game is not about the trophies. The game is not about what you get at the end, the car that you have, the money that you earn. It's about the person that you become. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.